Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You're listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast, a Texas Tech athletics podcast where food and sports clash at the goal line. Here are your hosts, Spencer and Michael. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the 23 Personnel Podcast. I'm your host, Spencer, joined by Michael. Michael, what's up, man? I am I'm reveling in a a win. It's good to have a win. Kind of get some momentum, get some air in the sails. Air in the sails? Win? Wind in the sails. Headed into this Baylor preview. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Drying out. You got something like four yeah. inches last night? Four inches of rain? Man, we had 3.2-ish. It was an adventure dropping the oldest off at school today. Yeah. It was still raining, um, but they were multiple... Yeah, multiple intersections completely underwater. Like in our neighborhood, four or five inches deep. So it was fun. We made it. We took the Durango. Django. It's built for this. It's our, uh, it's our, our winter, not our winter, it's our wet weather vehicle because it sucks and everything else. It doesn't have AC and <laughs> terrible gas mileage. So I was like, we can't take it anywhere. Well, Durango is notoriously known for its monsoon season. Well, there you go. I have no idea if that's true, but it, it sounds plausible. I just need to outfit this thing with like a snorkel uh, mm-hmm. and then like, you know, put like a six inch lift on it and some, some bigger <laughs> off-road wheels and tires or something. Just have a special built vehicle to deal with the Lubbock weather. <clears throat> Is it no. four-wheel drive? Mm-hmm. Well, excuse It's all-wheel drive. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's the classy. That's the classy version. I forget. Well, I, I was cor- I was corrected. Four wheel drives just for us uh, country boys. I was Y'all corrected when somebody drive. somebody asked me if it had if it was four wheel drive. I said, "Yep." He's like, "Well, is it four wheels or all wheel?" I was like, "Well, it's all wheel, and it has four, all four wheels. All four of them, buddy." I was They're like, "Turning it once." Yeah, but uh, he felt the need to correct me on that. It's different. Mm-hmm. So all wheel drive, uh, but you can select. You can drop it down to two wheel drive or four wheel low and four wheel lock. Is selectable, but default is it because it's an is it because it's an SUV that it gets a little bit more pretentious? I don't know. I don't know. GMC started doing that too. I think a lot of their trucks are. Well, I have the all-wheel drive Sierra, Denali, AT four thousand six hundred elevation. This was a two thousand four Dodge Durango. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. There's no pretension in this vehicle. At least not anymore. 20 years old. Anyways. Still running, brother. Yeah, just barely. 
No, it's not just barely running. There are just a couple of things like if I really wanted to keep the vehicle, I, I would fix it, fix, but I don't. Except for days like today when it was raining. Anyways, we're going to wrap up the Houston win one more time. Put a final wrap on it so we have some thoughts settled in our minds. Had a chance to watch some recaps. Watch the rewatch part of the game. I watched the first half tonight. Um, watched the, the press conferences and I'm hearing, I'm putting pieces together. I was like, oh, okay, that, I guess that makes sense. I don't know how much of it's ac- accurate and it's not CYA, but it makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and then we'll get you a preview for this weekend's matchup with the Baylor Bears. You're on the road in Waco for a night game. Correct. Gold out. Bold and gold. Rolled gold. Gold is generous. Yeah, rolled gold's mustard pretzels. <laughs> that's that's what I'm seeing. Cheddar cheese pretzels. Those are actually pretty good. The, cheese whiz. The cheese pretzels. Pretty good. Um. So yeah, we'll talk those, about the the Snyder cheese the like the pretzel bits. Well, and this is, is like a no, it's like a mini pretzel twist, but they're instead of mustard, it's cheese powder flavor oh, on it. Well, I'm I'm sold. Oh, dots. No, not dots. But those are good too. Oh, okay. This is it's like a maybe Snyder's. It Sorry, didn't, matter. Already, it didn't matter. We've already we've already devolved into our food end. section. Um, yeah. We'll get you into our our Baylor preview. I will tell you why I'm why I'm, I'm my confidence is is uh, growing. Michael will bring us down to earth. He's already told me he's he's got something. He's bringing the pessimism this week and won't tell me what it is. I am. I'm sorry. Um, but I look sorry, around everyone. All the advanced metrics and stats and projections, and I have a hard time not feeling confident about this game. Besides it being on the road, that's my my first hesitation until Michael's going to burst that bubble. Uh, we do have a little one a little note about basketball. And uh, if you're a Rangers fan, congrats. They won today, Tuesday. Four nothing over the Rays, the Devil Rays. A little bit of throwback on their uh, uniforms today. One win away from making the divisional series. They got bumped to wild card because they couldn't win one last game in Seattle. So they really needed a hundred and sixty-three game season. They did. That's what you're saying. I had, a, I had an Astros friend text me this graphic that showed how many days the Houston Astros were in first in the AOS and how many were how many the Rangers had. You want to just venture a guess how many days the Rangers were in first place in the AOS? Okay, let's see. It's six months. Um, hundred and twenty days. Hundred and fifty-nine days in first place. <laughs> You know how many days Houston was in first place? Well, because I forget who's in their division. Uh, so it's not the rest of them. I'll, I'll say 12. 24. Hmm. 159 to 24. And all that mattered was day number last. <laughs> the last day. Um, ish Anyways, playoff baseball is here. Rangers are participating in playoff baseball for the first time in a while. Our Josh Young... Got the scoring kicked off today on a sacrifice, sacrifice fly. So, 
doing the Lord's work. Yeah, I, I was going to say something else. It's fine. We will uh, we'll do that, and then we'll uh, wrap this up with what do we learned. So, Michael, let's mm. jump into football. I'm ready. Head on over to the oblong ball of choice here and uh, do this thing, man. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. So, this past weekend, y'all know, everybody knows, Text Tech 1, hooray. But one big, right? Like we were expecting close game, and it was. First half it was close. You had a touchdown lead going into halftime. Um, but you ended up winning by three touchdowns. You had two special team scores in the first half. Um, which led to the first half being even weirder than like, like it just, the first half was strange all the way around. You look at it like, Time of possession, number of plays, possessions, everything favored Houston. 
explosive plays, yes. efficient drives, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> Special teams kept you in it. They actually did more than that. They 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 helped they had you a lead at halftime. Uh you were three for three on possessions that ended in touchdowns. Um Houston was four for five. Well, sorry. They had six total possessions if you count that last you know 47 second drive whatever it was uh to end the half to end with a field goal attempt the only other drive they didn't score on was the when you forced the punt and you blocked it um so it was looking like it was going to be a high scoring game um <clears throat> i did not have great hopes for how the second half was going to go based on how the first half defense looked um but uh, Tim DeRuder came out and said afterwards, like, hey, we, we realized, you know, going into the game that our game plan wasn't like it. It may have worked, but we decided we we're going to we're going to ditch it. We're going to we're going to switch things up. We're gonna try to get after the quarterback a little bit more because um, he admitted like the history that they have, the, the, the notes they have on, on Donovan Smith. <clears throat> wasn't so much that like you can pressure him into something and to make him bad decisions. You don't, you just have to sit back and let him throw it, throw into a, uh, into coverage. And that's what they did. And in, in the first half is they, they wanted to play coverage and sit back and see if Smith would throw him the ball. Smith played lights out. Like it was best game of his career, maybe, or at least from what I've seen as, as a Texas tech fan, it was fantastic for him. Um, and Drew was like, yeah, we're, we're, if we continue to sit back, he's going to continue to carve us up and we like our chances if we can do like what we, what, what any quarterback, if you get pressure on them, their decision-making skills diminish. Um, you aren't relying on many, many seconds of coverage where most quarterback and receiver combinations can find holes somewhere if you let them sit there long enough. So you started bringing uh, a little bit more pressure and you started seeing the Houston offense return to earth. We talked about it on Saturday, like their uh, yards per play was like cut in half, if not more. Um, so. Well, that explains a lot. That explains why Tech wasn't able to really get or not wasn't able to, but did not get any pressure to him. Uh, it just really made me question a lot of things. Uh, how well Smith played with that kind of time, and we know last year he didn't have that kind of time. Mm -hmm. He he wasn't really given that option. And so he did make some mistakes last year. So I'm, I'm not sure what made them think. Maybe they thought they were better at offensive line than they were last year. Or they forgot they had Tyree Wilson, or, or I don't know what I don't know what made them think. Oh yeah, let's just let this guy throw on us all day. Because when he does have that time, like against Murray State or whatever, he's going to have like three incompletions and and you know have a heck of a game. But it was an interesting experiment that didn't work well. And back to what you were saying with the this is where I'm kind of. I'm bringing the Debbie Downer this week. Okay. Those those two special teams touchdowns. Without that, Tech would have been down at half. They could have, in theory, won the game. 
but it would have been really ugly. I mean, who knows, though? They might have gotten an ex- at least one more possession in the first half. Might have been able to score because they were running the ball really well. I would like to apologize, even though I don't think I've ever said anything about Cameron Valdez that implied this in any way, but I just feel like I should throw it out there. I didn't realize how fast he was. Mm. I just feel like I owe him an apology for not realizing it. I never said anything derogatory or anything in the opposite or anything referencing his speed whatsoever. But my goodness, that's a fast guy. So I I just think that, yeah, Tech might have still made it a game, but it would not have, or not might have still made it a game. They would have made it a game, but it just would have been different. And those special teams touchdowns really were opportunistic. Yes. And unexpected. And, you know, what a return. We talked about this on the instant reaction. At least twice I was thinking, why didn't we fair catch this ball? Mm -hmm. As Dre McRae was taking it to the house (laughs) in front of my very eyes. So I I, I know we can't rely on that, uh, although he has proven to – just get better every week in the return game. I'm just I'm I'm looking back at the game and kind of seeing I didn't want to go through that through the instant reaction, but you know, having let it marinate a little bit, I'm thinking, okay, there were a couple things that really went Tech's way that had they not, this might have been a different outcome or at least just a different game. Yeah, I mean they the the special teams plays obviously helped out. I mean, uh, you won by three touchdowns. Uh, so if you were to take two of those away, you don't know how the game would have shaken out. Um, you know how how that would have affected game planning and if there were pressure, momentum swings on the kind like if it would have been more of a game throughout the second half because it felt like uh, you went by ten in the second half and it was or not ten. Um, when you went up that second score uh, into the second half, it was like, this kind of feels like it's just, it's over. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And then the way you just kind of, you, your, your defense slowed them down and then your, your offense was just effective moving the ball on the ground. And, and it was great. Loved it. You were a, you were a great, um, facsimile of a, a good Kansas State team. You know, you committed to the run game. You didn't beat yourself. You had very few penalties. Um, you were great on special teams. You didn't, you just, you avoided the mistakes. You did what you were good at. And you were good on special teams. It's very Correct. Bill Snyder-esque. It was. That's a great comparison. It and wasn't even mine. I stole okay. that. That's my brother. Okay, well, it's a, it's a good compliment to a football team. For sure. Um, going back through, I, I just, again, like, was even more impressed by Taj Brooks's play. Um, I love that man. Uh, and, and to your point, Valdez, so it's also pretty great. <laughs> he threw another Flashy, 100, 100 yards on his own. Um, and it was just like, his runs, Valdez's runs were like a breath of fresh air. Like it came at the, just the perfect time when he would like the defense was was settling in or 
Um, Brooks was slowing down just a little bit, sprinkling in a little Cameron Valdez and like, it's a deadly one-two punch. Um, and I don't want to, I don't like rubbing the guy's face, but that Loic fungi touchdown where he threw the back shoulder fade and uh, the corner fell. And corner was Alex Hogan. Oof. Texas Tech transfer. That. Yeah. Yep. Did not realize that. Well, so, it's just, you're just stating a fact. That's all. Yeah. I'm just saying he was the, he was the corner that fell. Uh, we talked about the special teams on the return. I saw it live happen, and I only picked up one of it actually. But when I when I watched the replay tonight, um, there were two blocks that had me giddy, Michael. <laughs> Fourth string tight end, the former lineman in you, was excited about a couple of blocks. Yeah, well, let me tell you, man. Let me tell you why. Uh, Jaden York and Drew Hocutt. Not only were they like locked in on their guys, but they buried them. Like as McCray was running past them, like as as McCray was approaching them, they were finishing these blocks into the turf. Um, Hokut even um, slowed up another defender too. Like as he was taking his guy down, there was another defender that was kind of trailing him, and then he had to you know, adjust his path, whatever, get around him. Um, it's fantastic. Love to see it. Uh, was this Perry's Super Bowl? Was it Fungi Super Bowl? <laughs> no. I don't know. It was it was great to see. I mean, I, I don't like returning kicks. We, we talked about that a whole lot last year, just your how much field position you were costing yourself by not fair catching. And you take this this kick, um, you know, two yards deep in the end zone, and you're right there on the sideline, and then you get bottled up at the ten or twelve. It's like, man, really, really should have taken the fair catch there. Um, but the the punt block, man, that had to be something they they saw in film or something, because Houston rolls out with um three linemen. Then they have their three blockers in front of the punter. And they have like four gunners, but they're set up wide like they're receivers or something. Um, Texas Tech, you you put six guys on the line. So it's on the line at six versus three, but then you've got three more um, blockers ahead of the punter. You get four guys through of your six there or two guys that are there on the line that kind of hang back with a long snapper and one of the, the linemen. Cause all three of them just that they, the Houston Cougar players up front on the line, just take off downfield. And, and so then you're left, you've got four of your gunners, your blockers heading towards their, their, you know, protection, their, their punter, protection wall, whatever you want to call that group. I don't even know what they're called. Um, so it's four on three. Fungi just steps around him. Um, McCray gets past his guy. Like he was in position too. Um, so Fungi gets a hand on the, on the punt and then you've got, you know, 
Fungi, McCray gets back there. Um, Sparkman, I think, was also back there. You had three receivers all around the ball with a punter who had no idea what the heck was going on after the, the punt was blocked. It was going to be bad all the way around. So I I would like to think that like that was schemed in there, that they saw something from, from Houston like, hey, if, if they're going to run this, this uh, punt formation, like they're obviously going to try to get down there and and cover the kick. You have a great opportunity to block it without it really looking like you're bringing a lot of pressure, right? Like you lined up, it was a six on six scheme, right? You sent four through against their three. So it's a great thing to see. So yeah, maybe it was a, Perry Super Bowl, but it's big time. I want to talk about the defense though for a second, Michael. Um, before he 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 left the game a little bit early, uh Dadrian Taylor Demerson Rabbit was playing out of his mind, dude. He was flying, and this is not like this is not new for him. This is not something that's even new this season. Uh he, he he's been grabbing the attention of, of like next level scouts. Cause you'll be seeing it from scouting services talking about what a great safety and the speed, the vision and the ferocity he hits with. Um, when he was on the field for tech this weekend, like all of it was on display. He was a, one of the best tacklers you had out there. He was taking guys down in space, um, flying around and just absolutely hammering guys. Um, the we talked about the the halftime adjustment. Um, they decided uh, Drew decided he's going to bring a little more pressure, uh, force Donovan uh, to be a little bit more mobile. I guess it, uh, you know we, we we knew he was going to he, he didn't have the greatest pocket presence. So either you're going to force him into like into taking some sacks because he doesn't feel the pressure, or if he was if he had you know. Uh, improvement on that aspect of his game. He's going to be rolling around a lot, uh, cutting down on the field uh, and trying to throw in the run. And what you saw was a uh, Houston offense efficiency just go out the window. Um, now that first half, like we, we talked about it, that their last scoring drive in the first half, actually in the game, they picked up three consecutive third and shorts. The first two, were Donovan Smith scrambles. It was a third and five and a third and four, I think. And Donovan Smith scrambles. And then you get to a third and one, and like DeRuder's like, he's like, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. Donovan Smith up the middle. I, I know it's quarterback power. He brings massive pressure. He's like, we're, we're going we're gonna to run blitz the, the hell out of this. We're just going to blow it up. Smith takes a step back. And throws to a receiver who has not caught. He had that was his first career touchdown. Was like on an all-out blitz on a third and short that went forty-one yards. So, I, I appreciate the risk that DeRuiter takes on those at times. Yeah, uh, but there he, you know, in Laramie, he kind of whiffed. On that, um, on that two point conversion, was it the two point conversion or the touchdown and in in double OT? It doesn't matter. But there's, I just feel like there's been a handful of times, and it's just like 
going forward on fourth down on offense and not getting it. You're going to remember the ones that you didn't get. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily going to remember the ones that you did. So I still appreciate the fact that he's he's like, okay, we're going to bring six right here. This is going to work. And then sometimes it backfires spectacularly. But hey, you got to keep you got to keep going. Spectacular. Don't change your philosophy because of that one time necessarily. Just all right, okay, we'll bring six again later, and they won't be ready for it then. Yeah. Um, going into the game, we thought it was going to be a little bit lower scoring, a little bit closer. I had a 27-24 game. Um, and, and maybe that, that would have been more the direction you were going to get if you didn't have the special teams plays that you ended up getting. Uh, Michael had even, even, you know just a little bit lower, 24-21. Um, I mean, both teams had, had hit that, you know, 20 yeah, by, well, by half, but... And yeah, I, I, we both picked the under and during the game, I tried to get a, cause I, I knew I had the, the under in my little action app that I play for fun, which I'm terrible at. Again, I just like to remind everyone how bad I am at picking these games. So anyway, I thought, okay, I'm going to get a live line. And I think I went to it right when tech scored again to make it, oh, whatever it was at halftime. 30, 31. What was it at halftime? It was 35. 35. 35, 28. So I think I hit it right as that happened. And so I clicked the live over under was 73 and a half. And then by the time it all went to space and came back, the line was 84 and a half. <laughs> so that was essentially what I selected, even though that was not what I selected. And I thought, well, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. And it didn't. But 73 and a half would have happened. Yeah. It's tough beat. I would have covered that. It's tough. It's, man, I had a bunch of those. I had another 10-team parlay where one team lost. Ooh. So you went 9-1? and one? You know what team it was? Was it Central Baylor? Florida. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> they, were, they were up big, man, which we'll talk about in a second. They blew a 28-point lead at home to... A one-win Baylor team. What other two-win Baylor team, man? Well, at the time, they were not. Figuring stuff out. Um, so, yeah, you you figured some stuff out. You beat Houston. They were the, the we talked about this last week, they're the easiest game remaining on your schedule. And we were talking about if you're going to make a bowl game, if you're going to have any kind of aspirations for this season, how it's going to go, you needed to win this one. Well, you did. Uh, next easiest game is this weekend. It's Baylor. Um, and this is this is according to last week's. I don't know if the if the games were shuffle after the results. It doesn't really matter because it, it, it doesn't matter. But um, after that, you've got BYU. So three of the next four of, of the next four games from when we talked about it were going to be your easiest ones to win. Um, and at the time... It was looking like, like a tall task. Um, I think looking ahead at Baylor, uh, I think you got a great opportunity here. Michael, I think, is a little bit more pessimistic. Excuse me. He's a little bit more realistic. How about that? Possibly. Um, because I I look at, like, advanced metrics, and, and I, don't, I don't do, like, huge deep dives and, and do all kinds of statistical analyses and that kind of stuff. But when I see... Texas Tech is the 32nd best S&P plus team. 
and then going on the road to the 64th best S&P plus team is like, well, you got a, you got a pretty good advantage there. Um, your defense 49th is better than their 57th ranked offense. Your 22nd ranked offense is better than their 68th ranked defense. You're on the road. Uh, and, and here's the caveat here. You, you, you haven't played well on the road. You haven't played well on the road really for many, uh, much of McGuire's, uh, tenure here um you did you you've won games on the road but you haven't even played well on the road um you got beat pretty bad by baylor last year and it was a combination of maybe just being too up for the game against his former team and just a really bad matchup x's and o's wise um but i think you know i think you got a shot especially if you're if you're committing to running the ball Michael, it's it's in your your screen name tonight on uh, on Riverside. It's going to be here in the stats, but like they have a terrible rush defense, Michael. Terrible. Yes, they do. They are asking you to give them a huge dose of Taj Brooks and Cameron Valdez this weekend. Please, please, RTDB. RTDB. Is basically, what they're saying. All right. So into the into the Baylor offense. We'll start there as we always do. Uh, they are led by redshirt junior quarterback Blake Shapen. It does appear he's back and will be playing uh, this weekend. He did play a little bit last weekend. Or he did play last weekend, taking over for Sawyer Robertson. So Robertson has more yards, um, but Shapen is going to be your 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 starter going forward as long as he's healthy. Uh, but he is completing sixty five percent of his passes, only sixty five attempts so far on this season. Uh, just under 600 yards, three touchdowns. No interceptions, Michael. You've got that highlighted. No interceptions. I do because we spoiled previous no interception West Virginia quarterbacks. Now, who's who's QB2 at Baylor? Sawyer Robertson? Mm-hmm. Well, he had four. Okay, so it's <laughs> not like Baylor hasn't thrown an interception yet this year as a team. But Shapen has not, so I am kind of licking my chops at that. I feel like this is, I know it's only his third game to play in. He wasn't able to finish Texas State when he went down with the knee injury, but I'm thinking we pick him off. It's going to happen. Manifest it. Make it so. Speak it. He's got 13 carries so far on the season, 38 yards, but two of those 13 carries are touchdowns. Um, so he's played in two games, Texas state and UCF. This will be game number three, assuming his didn't re-injure it or something happens this week. Um, on the ground, they're led by Richard Reese. Y'all remember him from last year. He's a sophomore, a little guy, five, nine, one eighty, uh, 45 carries on the season, two thirty-five, five 5.0 yards per carry. Um, Two touchdowns. They've got Oklahoma State transfer Dominic Richardson, 6'1, 205. 46 carries for 212. 4.3 yards per carry, no touchdowns. And then freshman running back Dawson Pendergrass, biggest of the bunch, 6'2, 215. 35 carries, 167 yards, just under five yards per carry himself. Another two touchdowns. 
Of Pendergrass's 35 carries, though, Michael saw this, 21 of those came against Long Island. Yeah. I mean, so it's I, not heavily I used. Like, right. I feel like he's worth mentioning because I believe in the last two games against uh, Texas and UCF, he had six or seven carries, I believe, in each of those games. But yeah, the vast majority of, of what he's amassed so far was against Long Island. To compare, though, Michael, Taj Brooks... 83 carries. The Baylor running backs combined for 91. The the, the first two combined for 91. Um, And quick math, 447 yards. Brooks has 518. So 83 carries, 518 yards, 6.2 yards per carry and three touchdowns. Um. So while we know Reese is talented, we know Dominic Richardson's talented, and we know Baylor's pretty good at at uh, setting up their run game, it just hasn't started yet. Um, I would say part of that would be um, a product of their, of their scheduling, but like we point out, they played Long Island, they they, they have played Texas, uh, but they also played Texas State, and they got whipped pretty bad by the the Bearcats. Bobcats? Bobcats. Bobcats. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. When Shapin puts it in the air, he's looking at Monterey Baldwin. Junior 5'9, 170 guy, 12 receptions, 278 yards, 23.2 yards per catch. And a touchdown. A great deal of that, Michael. Seven catches, 150 yards, came against UCF. Yeah. So he's coming it, on a little late. But. Agree. Yeah. He's he's a guy that doesn't seem like he's they found him much before, and probably a lot of that was with Shapin being out. So I, I imagine with Shapin being back, they're going to be looking for Baldwin. Yep. He is – this is something you found which I think is fascinating. One of only two players to catch a touchdown this year, Baldwin, Correct. and then a, a tight end, Drake Dabney. But other receivers you need to be looking out for, Keytron Jackson – the junior 6'3", 210, 14 catches, 228 yards, just over 16 yards per catch. And Hal Presley, 6'2", 196, 14 catches, 198 yards, 14 yards per catch. But when they get down close to the goal line, the red zone, Michael, they've got one guy in mind, Drake Dabney, 6'5", 250, 12 catches, 172 yards, 14.3 yards per catch, but three touchdowns. But they've got four passing touchdowns in the season, which sounds ridiculous this far into the season. Three of them have gone to this one guy, Drake Dabney. Yeah, might keep an eye on him when you get when you get close to the, the end zone there. And like I, I don't I don't I'm not throwing shade, but maybe maybe don't put a freshman linebacker on, on Dabney. Just just a thought here. Not even Roberts. I don't. I haven't liked Roberts in past coverage yet. I'm not saying he's okay. he's, he's going to be bad. I just think maybe maybe you lean on on some experience. Maybe you double him up. Maybe put Roberts in a and a, a safety on him. Seems fair. Make him throw it to five nine Monterey Baldwin. Um, something else I I found, Michael, when they get into the red zone. The Baylor offense is only converting 65% of those trips 
into points. Not even touchdowns, into points. Ooh. So one out of every three trips into the red zone so far this season, have they've come away empty. To compare Texas Tech, while not first in the country, um, I would say maybe even average, Texas Tech is converting 87% of red zone trips into points. So nine out of every 10 for Tech, two out of every three for Baylor. Maybe that's uh, something to look forward to. If Baylor's able to move the ball, uh, clamp it down in the red zone, maybe where you're going you're gonna to make the difference here. Um, offensively for Baylor, 270 yards through the air per game, 7.3 yards per attempt, um, which the, both of those numbers are, are, are greater than what the Texas Tech defense allows. Texas Tech's allowing 227 and 6.2 yards per attempt, so imagine somewhere in the middle there. Um Baylor runs 142 yards per game at 3.9 yards per carry. Texas Tech is giving up 148 yards per game on four yards per carry. So that's pretty much right on with what we've seen. Um, Baylor is converting 41% of their third downs, 56% of their fourth downs. Very similarly, Texas Tech defense is allowing teams to convert 44% of third downs and 56% of fourth downs. Baylor scores 23 points per game. Texas Tech is allowing 25 points per game. So Yeah, those are really, really close. And one thing else I'd like to dive into just a little bit is fourth down conversions. I was just curious about this, so I started looking it up. I know that last year, Baylor and West Virginia and Tech were kind of the the three big dogs and Mm -hmm. going for it on fourth down. Uh, And so as far as Big 12 is concerned, that's still the case, but... Also, uh, you know, I mean, Tech's second or third, I think, in attempts. So, as as well as Texas Tech has done this year on fourth down attempts and on offense, they are eleven of fifteen. They're seventy three percent on the year. Fifteen attempts is not that high anymore. Uh, TCU has sixteen. Baylor has sixteen, which we just went over. They are nine of sixteen on fourth down attempts at fifty six percent. Texas Tech's 73% is second in the conference only to Oklahoma, who's seven of eight. But uh, yeah, Cincinnati has 14 attempts. West Virginia has 18. They are the current leader with the number of attempts. Houston has 12. So this is kind of what I thought was going to start happening. Last year, we were already seeing it. Tech was getting more of the publicity for it, mainly because they boosted their stats so well in the bowl game, I think. Um, but the fourth downs, instead of there just being three teams really kind of trying to utilize that fourth down more often, it seems. I mean, Texas is, has gone for it ten times too. But So if you just take the teams that have gone for it 12 or more times, you have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, or six of the teams in the Big 12 right now. Uh, all that to say, Baylor doesn't seem as successful when they do it. No. And Tech's defense seems pretty successful stopping it. So I I hope that won't be a factor, but I just would expect them to probably go for it uh, a little more than, I guess, the other half of the league will. Uh, it seems to be just kind of where things are headed. Yeah, last season you were, you were averaging, attempting just over four fourth down attempts per game. 
this year, you're right at three attempts per game. And I, I, we, we talked on that a little bit earlier this season. Uh, you were early down offensive success hasn't really set you up in position to, to attempt a lot of fourth downs. You've, you've had a lot of fourth and longs. Uh, the, the, the situation hasn't dictated that you're, you're going for it as much uh, so far this season. So I don't know how, how to, how to have that way into, into consideration, but your, your attempts so far are down. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with your early down offense. Um, so speaking about Texas Tech offense, 22nd ranked S&P plus offense, a huge jump up from last week, 32nd to 22nd. Because what, Michael, you were committed to relying on what works. Funny how that works out, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you you lean on on the one part of your, your, your offense that's, that's been working and you get a big win. And it reflects in the... Statistical models that pretty pretty significant upgrade there. Um, Baylor defense sixty eighth. So again, you've played teams right in that 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 realm. I think West Virginia and Houston were both there. I think Houston was actually a little bit lower. But they were in the yes, Houston was lower, but West Virginia was in the sixties. Pretty sure. Yeah, they are led in tackles by Matt Jones, linebacker Matt Jones, not Mike Jones, Matt Jones. 6'3", 245. He's a big dude. Uh, 33 total tackles, 22 solo, two sacks. Uh, next guy is a defensive. It's a safety. Uh, I would assume more towards the, the line here, but uh, Devin Bobby's 5'10", 185. He's got 25 tackles and a pass defended. And then Mike Smith Jr., the other linebacker to be aware of, 6'1", 240. He's got 24 tackles and a sack. Um, he's got one sack and I say it, it leads the team. Um, that wasn't, that, that was from last week. They have 11 sacks on the season. Um, they've got three guys that have two and then one, two, three, f- five guys. They have one. Uh, so it's not like they've got a, a pass rush specialist you need to be aware of where they're, they're bringing pressure from, from one guy specifically. It's more of a balanced attack there. Uh, on who's getting to the quarterback. Um, but it is it's a pretty good mix between linebackers and defensive line. You've got uh, linebackers with, with two sacks. That would include Byron Vaughns and Matt Jones. And then defensive lineman TJ Franklin. And then the guys with one is defensive lineman named Cooper Lance. Mike Smith, uh, defensive line Gabe Hall, defensive line Trey Wilson. They've only got three interceptions on the season. Going back, we, we looked at uh, Houston last week. They had six, which felt a little bit on the high end. They didn't end up adding to that total, obviously. But um, Baylor's only got three. Uh, one of them from a Lubbock Cooper kid, Kyler Jordan. Y'all remember him as the guy that Matt Wells, for whatever reason, didn't want to recruit and ended up going to Baylor. Uh, and then their corners, Carl Williams, a fourth, and Caden Jenkins each have an interception to their name. Um, when Texas Tech has the ball, they are um, throwing 227 passing yards per game, 6.2 yards per attempt. Um, they are running 177 yards per game at five yards per carry. Michael, the Baylor defense is giving up 184 yards per game on the ground at five yards Ooh. per carry. Ooh. They are giving up a ton through the air too, 210 yards through the air, but 8.7 yards per attempt. 
Um, they are decent on third down. The, the Baylor defense allowing teams to convert 36% of third down, 70% of fourth downs, whereas Texas Tech is converting almost, or they are converting 39% of their third downs and converting 73% of fourth downs. Uh, and Texas Tech is scoring 33 points per game, where Baylor is giving up 28. If you follow Stats of War, Parker Fleming, the preview on this heavily, heavily favors Texas Tech. If you look at all the team EPA margin stuff for, for Baylor, it's all in the red, which means they're um, they're bottom quintile, I guess. If it's dark blue is the top, light blue, white, light red, dark red. That is five. Yeah, <laughs> I can count, Michael. Um, of course you can. Majority of of their of their their stats here are in the dark red. They've got a handful of light red. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven total in the white, and just one in the blue. It's a light blue. It's their echo rate, which is just how. Um, where is that? Measure of quality possessions and opportunity creation. So how many other how many other drives are quality possessions? Um. Whereas Texas Tech, um, you know, not bad in the echo rate, which is the one, I think, a statistical advantage that uh, one of the big ones that that Baylor has over Tech here. But the rest of them, Tech has two in the dark red versus, not even counting, Baylor has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, seventeen. 11, 12, 17. Texas Tech has one, two, three, four in the dark blue, which means they are in the top quintile of that, including EPA per rush, which is expected points added per rush. Again, get a pretty good rushing game. Uh, versus their, their EPA rush, they are 85th in the country. You are fifth. Um, EPA per passing play, Texas Tech is 73rd, which is white, um, which is just in the middle there. Baylor is dark red, 104th, bottom 20%. Um, again, like this, along with the other things I've looked at, has me has me confident that it should be a game where Texas Tech should win this game. I'll put it that way. Especially if it if it was neutral or home. Being on the road, I think, throws everything off. And I don't know how how the team is going to to respond to success and then and then going on the road. I don't know what the the mentality is going back to Baylor. Um I think Texas Tech has a great opportunity to notch win number three this year. Um, just sad to say that in game six. Um, this model has you at a 65 to 35 uh, percent advantage. Um, 31 to 25 in terms of points in favor of Texas Tech. So going on the road for me as a wild card, I think, Michael... Texas Tech wins this one. It's actually really close to what uh to what the the CBF CFB graphs uh, stats of war projected, and that was it was not because of what they said. I was just thinking about what I think. I think Texas Tech wins this one. Could win this one by a touchdown. 
31, mm-hmm. 24. So do you think they avenge the butt fumble? You know, assuming that we don't throw three pick sixes in this game. Yeah. <laughs> we did last year or whatever it was. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like, like, yes, I do think there is some, some avenging to be had for Texas Tech in the, the butt bowl here. I'll tell you, okay, so I've kind of brought in my pessimism or realism as you so kindly called it. The, the game last week, I think the special teams, as great as they were, made it a little bit more lopsided than it probably would have been. I do think there were some drops in not think some, you could call them drops. We kind of touched on that in the instant reaction. I don't want to go over it too much, but that was worrisome again, because I felt like that, that went, had gone away for the most part. And then seems like it kind of reared its head again on a particular drive later in the game. Miles price, uh, just, disappeared not saying it's his fault just saying that it was obvious they wanted him to have the ball early and then they didn't ever get him the ball again so i'm i'm unsure what the game plan is going to be i would love to see tech run the ball but i'm kind of worried that kitley might see a healthy morton this week with a with a better shoulder and feel like well we've got to go throw it 50 times but hopefully not hopefully not so there's all sorts of things running through my head thinking okay last week we had one penalty and it was on a wide receiver Mm -hmm. for a false start i mean i don't think that's going to happen again we had two special teams touchdowns um you know we didn't turn the ball over i don't want any of these things to happen but i just i just feel like they probably will and sure Another thing that that you alluded to earlier was the issue winning away games. Um, after the West Virginia game, I was pretty sad. It's pretty down. So I went to the record books. And do you want to know Texas Tech's last two road wins, Spencer? One of them was November nineteenth, twenty twenty two, versus an Iowa State Iowa team State. that finished yeah. four and eight. And Tech barely beat him. I think it was like fourteen to ten or something. To 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 be fair though, Michael, Texas Tech has had a hard time, and and not just Texas Tech. Iowa State defenses have, have given Texas Tech fits for several years. Sure. So, sure. A bad team, like even even with their their limit, limitations on offense, their defenses have been pretty good when they combine a good defense with the offense they've had a few years ago with Purdy, uh, Montgomery, their giant receivers, sorry, not receivers, their tight ends they had, they were pretty good. But yeah, so yeah, so, but the, you know, getting a win against Iowa State was good, but it was a 4-8 and eight team, sure. So previous to that. Was it 2017? No, 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 no. It wasn't okay. that bad. But the, the away game... Previous to that, that was last a win. Oh, it was, was Kansas, Oct- wasn't it? Yes. October 16th, 2021 versus 
a Kansas team that finished two and ten. Yeah. So I'm skeptical about this team's ability to win on the road. Um, Can I point something else out though, Michael? Yes, please. Help me. If <laughs> Baylor's bad, you you could get a win here on the road, and they could go three and nine, four and eight. <laughs> you say Baylor is bad, but they just scored twenty six points on the road in a conference game. Okay, their in the defense is bad. Their defense is bad. Let's put it that way. It is, but it slowed down UCF just enough. Now I don't think well, they did they, themselves any favors. I tried to, I tried to go back through and realize what really happened there. But there were some turnovers. I know that uh, they're still the without their starting quarterback. Yeah, yeah, the quarterback well, threw a very obvious, and I forget what you call that, but when you pass the line of scrimmage and throw a pass, I think he did that on a third down or something, and it really cost him. Kind of late in the game when they were driving or, or trying to keep Baylor from the comeback so as as bad as Baylor has been to do what they did on Saturday is really something and and kind of puts puts the fear of God in me a little bit so all that to say I'm picking Baylor to win okay 28-24 I'm taking the under um I do think Baylor will cover based off what I've seen here I don't think it'll be pretty. I think both teams are going to, I hope both teams run the ball quite a bit. Um, but there, there just could be a chance that Baylor's going to have just enough defensive momentum from last week to try to slow down this tech offense or tech tries to outsmart themselves and not hand the ball off to Taj Brooks every third play or whatever they should really do. Okay. I'm, 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 we'll hold it against you, Michael. Okay. Thank you. All right. You look around the rest of the Big 12 real quick? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Kansas State on the road at Oklahoma State. They are 11 and a half point favorites so far right now. 6.30 kickoff on Friday night. Interesting. Another addition to Friday Night Lights. I don't think this game will be that close. I don't think so either. Um, you know, Kansas State seems like a lock despite it being at Stillwater, but Stillwater seems like such a, I don't know, they're in turmoil right now. And I think they're playing with a lot more to lose than Kansas State is. Now, I think Kansas State has a head coach who understands that, and Oklahoma State does not. I think he's pretty... Gundy seems pretty impervious to any sort of dysfunction that might be going on with his team. Impervious? That's not right. Imperceptive? Yeah. I was... For as long as Gundy's been there, he seems to be one of the most unstable head coaches. At least his situation is a little... Rocky. All right. Um, Cotton Bowl, Oklahoma, Texas. Texas is a just about a touchdown favorite here. 11 a.m. on ABC. Interesting to see this one, uh, this one this year because of both teams. Um, 
how they've done so far. They they're both exceeding outside expectations, I guess, uh, at least up to this point in the season. Um, is Texas for real? Is Oklahoma for real? Does it really matter to the rest of the Big Twelve? Probably not. But um, I don't know what to think about this game. I, I would I'll, I'll be interested to see the outcome, but. Just in the nature of this game and the history, I I would say Oklahoma covers this. I agree. It's not – this game can be such an anomaly because we've seen both teams just kind of fall off a cliff after playing this game or vice versa, you know, come in with two losses or something and then just pull off a crazy quote-unquote upset at the time. So I'm, I'm with you, though. I – don't want to slight Texas because I, I'm starting to think they are pretty darn good, mm-hmm. and I'm not a hundred percent sure Oklahoma is. But still, this is just a weird game. I think I'd take Oklahoma plus six and a half. Yep. Another game that I think is really interesting, uh, especially if uh, John Reese Plumley is back. I, I haven't been checking up on his health and what his availability is, but UCF at Kansas. Strange. I thought this would be an interesting game, but uh, Kansas is a almost three point favorite at home. So you would think probably a pretty evenly matched uh, game here. If it was on on a neutral site Um, last week, obviously, UCF is coming off that loss where they gave up 26 in the fourth quarter to Baylor to lose 35-20, sorry, 35-36. And then Kansas got whipped pretty bad in Austin, 14-40. to But I'm still a believer in the Jayhawks. I'd I'd go with you on that too. UCF still searching for their first Big 12 win. I don't think they'll get it this weekend either on the road in what's becoming a more – Formidable place to play, Lawrence. By God, Kansas. Yeah. Um, Texas Tech. Are they? They're at Kansas this year, aren't they? Yes. Yeah, it's not good. So, um, yeah. So, give me a. Uh, Give me Kansas here. TCU on the road in Ames, take on Iowa State. They are about a touchdown favorite, six and a half points. Iowa State, like this is one of those games where like I have no interest in and no feel for whatsoever. Like is TCU good? Is Iowa State terrible? Are they good enough to keep it close? I mean, they just lost by 30. Probably not good. So. Well, they, and they allowed a not great Oklahoma State team to score 27 on them at home. Of course, Iowa State won that game a couple weeks ago, but. They lost to Iowa. Yeah. They lost to Ohio. Which, but they always lose to Iowa. Always. I forgot. I think I looked at that. They're like one in 11 or something of the la- of the recent ones. It's 
it's really one-sided. It's like Tech versus OU. With the, with last year as an exception. But I would take Texas Christian on this just because I I don't think Iowa State's as bad as everyone thought they were going to be. But TCU's better. And, you know, they lost a close one at home against West Virginia. Maybe West Virginia's a little better than everybody thought, or they're just tougher. Or Neil Brown's coaching for his job. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, who knows? And then BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and West Virginia are all on a bye week this week. The uh, Texas Tech-Kansas State game time was announced. You'll get another nighttime game, 6 p.m. next weekend, hosting the Wildcats. Homecoming. Homecoming. So one of your toughest games left, but it is at home. So you get that, and it's a night game. Um, And if your offense continues to trend the way it is, maybe you can reduce possessions. (laughs) This may be like one of those... Uh, everybody's just playing to hold on to the ball type games. Um, all right, basketball. Michael, you, you found this note. Big 12 is considering a 20-game conference schedule next season, 24-25. So not this upcoming season, but next year's. My initial thought, on that? My, yeah, my initial thought is that's a heck of a lot of games, especially in a conference as tough as the Big 12. Which also reminded me when we were talking about the schedule, the Big 12 schedule, what was it, last week or the week before? We were talking about how just difficult everything is. That may come from a, a perspective of, of just if every game on your schedule is tough, maybe you're just not that good. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't mean to discredit the rest of the Big 12 because the Big 12 is strong. And, and you could still be a decent, a good to decent team uh, and still <laughs> struggle in the Big 12 because it's just that loaded top to bottom. Um, but p- putting two more conference games on the calendar for the following season, man, that sounds rough. Well, I like it on the surface. I would like to see how it's implemented, but on the surface, I like it for two reasons. One, there's now going to be 16 t- stinking teams in this conference. Mm-hmm. And so there's no way that you can do a home-and-home, round-robin. That's just completely out the window. But the more, obviously, the more conference games you play, the more chances you get to play Arizona State or Arizona or, you know, any, any of the, the newer guys being added in. Colorado, Colorado Utah. Utah. So you, you get more of a chance to get those guys on your schedule, mm-hmm. have them come here, have fans interested. Oh, man, you know. How often does Arizona State come to Lubbock? Very, very, very rarely, but it's about to become a more common thing. So I think that's exciting and good for the league and, uh, you know, just kind of good for the fans. The other thing I hope, this is where I'm kind of wondering how it's implemented. I'm wondering if adding these two games will drop off two of the Charmin Soft cupcakes that were typically seeing on these schedules. I I don't think anyone would miss those 93 to 47 games that you get in the death of December. I I don't think anyone's going to really miss those. Um, So I'm hoping that this would kind of eliminate 
two of those as opposed to, you know, uh, Vanderbilt or, you, you know, just as opposed to a, a, a team with a, 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 a pedigree or a big East team, or, you know, some of the interesting guys that you've put on the schedule in the last few years. Yeah. That's where, that's where, I, that's what I'm hoping. You know, we still have the same amount of games, but these two conference games replace no offense to Jackson state, but wasn't that who that was last year? That and like they Eastern Washington. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I agree with you as long as you're not replacing your, your early season tournament type appearances with, uh, these and you're knocking off, uh, nickel state or whatever off your schedule. Yeah. I think this, um, gets you more data points into the conversation about, um, quality wins. And, you know, if you're needing all that kind of stuff for tournament conversations, then, Dropping off your quad four games for conference games. I'm all for that. Oh, yeah. All right. Uh, looking at our preseason tracker, uh, Michael, I did I did pick up a win. Again, I am still in line with the Texas Tech win total. I am two and three on this season. We both predicted the Houston game correctly. Um uh, Preseason, we both had this as a win for against Baylor. So um, I don't know how to feel with our our, our, our changes here midseason, but um, at least preseason, I had I, I had it marked down as a win, and I, it's gonna it's gonna suck for you, Michael, when <laughs> when uh, you project a a loss that we end up winning. So I'll be thrilled. I'll be thrilled to be disappointed that uh, that I was incorrect. Yeah. You ready to wrap this up and get to what did we learn? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Nope, that's the wrong one. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. All right, Michael, what did we learn? I learned that any time of the year is a good time of the year for your wife to buy and cook a spiral sliced ham. Heck yeah, man. Just just phenomenal. I, I mean, I didn't know how bad I wanted that. She She made that on Sunday night. She has this glaze that she always does. 
and I think she got one on sale or something. I don't know. I don't know what what sparked her to do it, but we had spiral sliced ham. We had Hawaiian rolls, so where you can make your little ham sliders. Mm-hmm. Had some mac and cheese on the side. Were y'all looking to celebrate some uh, Canadian Thanksgiving? <laughs> That's what it sounds like. No, I mean preparing it, for. Uh, day is that this like year? a holiday yeah yeah no we're not celebrating easter early or late or anything this is just this was just what what she cooked on sunday and it was excellent and i just wanted to just share that to to all of you out there if you just haven't had a spiral sliced ham in a while there's no reason you can't just go do it now go find one enjoy have leftover sandwiches for a few days Can make you can make a ham salad later if you want. What's a ham salad? It's a uh, it's it's like tuna salad, but with ham or like chicken salad. Treat. You never had that before, no. But now like I- ham and mayo and other stuff. I don't even know what the hell's in it. But now I need it. <laughs> need this in my life. Um, Our non mayo listeners are just dry heaving right now sorry sorry everyone We're, this is a pro mayo podcast it is usually it usually is uh duke's mayo usually i usually go with we usually go with whichever one looks like hellman's but isn't best brand best choice best name it's a name choice brand blue plate i don't know it's blue and yellow oh okay um, I had something here. I didn't write it down, so I'm I'm, I'm spacing on it. So, um, learning the hard way, Michael. I I had a long term prescription refill that I waited till I had two days left. Yeah, to call into the the mail order pharmacy that we as employees of my organization are encouraged to use, and um. It still says that order is in progress. Like, well, I kind of need it tomorrow. It's 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 not like it's not not life or death. This is my uh, acid reducer, my proton pump inhibitor, or whatever they call those PPIs. Um, so I don't have my protonics for tomorrow. I have to go back to omeprazole, make sure I don't get the the terrible heartburn. <laughs> but. Um, Stay on top of your medicines, guys. Make sure you're uh, yeah. That's paying attention. That's a good tool to learn. We've also been eating the heck out of some pulled pork, and that's been fantastic. I told you last time we did pulled pork, we we used your injection, but we substituted apple juice for pineapple juice. Went back to apple it, juice. It was it was good. Way better with apple juice. Okay. Because I was noticeable. really tempted to do pineapple juice until you told me all that. And I thought, okay, maybe I should just stick with what I'm doing because I always change something. And then I wonder why it wasn't as good as last time. So Samantha's actually beginning. He's like, you always change something about a recipe. Like you never follow the recipe the same way. He's like, I know I'm always tinkering. Uh, and she's like, but the people already tinkered. <laughs> they already figured <laughs> it out. I was like, yeah, for them. But you're smarter than them. That's the difference. Well, it's not, it's not that I think I'm smarter or, or like I'm a better cook, but like our tastes are different. And I know I know yeah, pineapple goes well. So like I tried it and I was like, 
no, it's it's fine. It it Apple's just better. That's all. Um, but so we made it for the family this weekend. So I actually did two different ones, or I did two pork butts. And my my in laws wanted to provide and help provide some of the meat, so they brought over one of those two packs of pork tenderloin. I was like, um, what's this? Like, Oh, it's, it's for pulled pork this week. And I was like, what do you want to do with this? It's <laughs> like, not for pulled pork, but it'll, it'll eat. Just, I, uh, yeah. These are fantastic, but like, I'm not going to smoke this to death and then try to shred it. Shred um, this really lean <laughs> cut of tenderloin. Um, and then I heard something even, even more that just took me back. So my, my father-in-law, um, well, okay. So most of y'all know that I'm, I'm LDS and, and we, we all, we all, sorry, not all of us, a large number of the young men ages 18 to 25, whatever will spend two years volunteering and have a missionary uh, service time, right? So mm-hmm. my father-in-law, uh, on his his missionary service trip, he served in Mexico. Um, speaks Spanish and still, still fluent in it. It's actually kind of impressive. Um, but he picked up a lot of Mexican dishes that he added to his repertoire for when he came back and whatever. One of them he likes to make all the time is pozole, which as we're getting into fall and colder weather, like I'm all, I'm all about it. But going back to the pork tenderloin, like when I told him I, I couldn't use it for pulled pork, like, oh, that's fine. That's fine. We'll keep it for pozole. I was like, oh my gosh. And then I remember they will shred the pork. I was like, I, that's why it's always tasted funny because they never use a good cut of pork. Look, they use the wrong cut of pork. Yeah. I was about to say, I mean, pork tenderloin, it's, Excellent. It's oh, it's one of my favorite things to do. Yeah, to to smoke and grill or reverse sear, like all kinds yes. of things, but not to blast it in the crock pot and then shred it. <laughs> so I don't know how well it shreds. It just it you know it's what? It's not like my wife did one. The she did one a while back, and it it accidentally shredded. Like it was the first time she'd ever done one, and it was a different recipe but it had balsamic vinegar in it. And so we think maybe that broke it down more than mm. we expected. So when she went to cut it, she, she did this one in the crock pot, but we've done them in on the grill. We've done them on the smoker. We've done them in air fryer oven, all sorts of different ways, but she just did this version in the crock pot and it did actually shred. And so I put it on, I made sandwiches out of it. It was, it, it was pretty good, but it was kind of dry because it's, it wasn't really meant to do that. Yeah. The way that we get it is it's like it does shred and it's not like pulled pork shreds. They're like like an inch long. Yeah. And little little ribbons, fibers, like tiny fibers of, of, of the muscle when it breaks down. It's like this is when you consider it's going into a soup, like smaller pieces are, are, are probably fine. But when he told me that they were going to use it for pasole, I was like, oh, no, you need to grill these things, man. <laughs> yeah, let, let me take uh, here. Let me do this for you. I I almost I yeah. almost cooked him for him and just like just brought him back and cooked like you guys eat this whatever. It's not yeah. It's not pulled pork. 
you guys can eat this whenever. But I I did that for my mom. We had a you know how you they have a pack of two or whatever, mm-hmm. and so my mom had surgery recently, and so we had two pork tenderloins. I cooked one for us. I cooked one for her. And we took that and Allison had made some sides and just took that to mom, just the whole thing so that she could just slice it up. And I mean, it, I don't know. It's, it's a, such a versatile meat, but man, it's just not made for shredding. Like, no, that. we, we, the past few times I've done it, I've, uh, reverse seared it on the grill. Like I, I'm just like put an indirect on the grill and then, uh, seared it off really quickly. And we've served yeah. it with that avocado lime dressing or whatever that we found, mm-hmm. and it is phenomenal. Um, See the two that I so did, good. I didn't, I didn't sear them at the end. That was really, they tasted great, but it, I should have seared them. They needed that extra bit of texture. For some reason, I was just too enamored with keeping my Weber at the right temperature and just keeping it, having it indirectly cooked kind of smoked ish a little bit mm-hmm. totally should have seared it i don't know why i didn't but it was still good okay one more thing you brought it up and i i just okay. remember that when we when we when we when samantha was pregnant with hayden so our our now three-year-old she bought this uh little branding kit that you would put into a like a grill or whatever, and then you can brand food with it and -hmm. you can customize whatever it's going to say. We did that and the fire got too hot and melted some of the branding stuff and like messed up the, the opening at the bottom of my Weber. It's not like the, the handle that controls it at the bottom if it's if it says it's closed and you actually look into it, it's not actually closed. So like that alignment is off. Um, ever since then, I've not even even tried to cook at a certain temperature in the Weber. I'm just like it's just a direct heat grill, or like it'll be indirect, but not at like I'm not holding at 275 or 350 or whatever. Um, one because if I were to do that, I I I'd like to have the the top vent away from the fire so it draws the mm-hmm. heat over but that puts the thermometer right over the fire so it's like i don't know what yes. the temperature is in there besides yes. right above it it says it's 500 degrees i know it's <laughs> that's not always accurate so yeah i just kind of go by feel i just if i'm gonna cook something a little bit longer or i know that it needs to be three three hundred ish instead of you know four hundred ish I close the bottom vents about halfway and then I just think, okay, that's, that's all I can do. I just, that's going to be close. I just (laughs) tempt the meat. That's, that was it. And so I was so focused on the temps on those two tenderloins that once they reached temp, I pulled them and I didn't even think I didn't factor in searing. I didn't factor in any of that. And I should have like, you know, 10 or 15 degrees to go. I should have put them directly over the coals just for a few minutes each side and yeah, then let them rest and probably, probably would have been just fine. Ugh. Love pork tenderloin though. If that, that's all, all, you, all you get out of this little segment here, pork tenderloin's good for grilling. 
for searing. This has just been all pork talk. Ham and tenderloin and butt talk. That's what we are, man. Butt bowl. Pork butt bowl. It is the butt bowl. So that'll do it for us on the 23 Personnel Podcast, getting you ready for the Baylor game this weekend. Hoping for a good outcome on the road. Uh, We'll be back Saturday evening for our instant reaction. For Michael, I'm Spencer. Catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the 23 Personnel Podcast. Help us out by subscribing, rating the show, and leaving a review. Follow us on Twitter at 23 Personnel, Spencer at Punt Suck, and Michael at Michael underscore LBK. Be sure to catch the next episode. And until then, guns up and let the tortillas fly.